Last year, Americans made about 12,000 international adoptions, about half the number of the peak year in 2004. In response to these falling numbers, several Christian evangelical groups are working to raise them dramatically, hoping to reach as many as 50,000 international adoptions. Joining me now for a look at this growing movement is Catherine Joyce. Her article, The Evangelical Adoption Crusade, appears in the current issue of The Nation. I'm very pleased that she was able to join me for today's underreported segment. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. When did the evangelical Christian adoption movement begin? I think in its current form, uh, it's really been growing exponentially over the past two years, but in, entirely probably in the last five years. That, that's when a key organization called the Christian Alliance for Orphans started. They started, I think, with a very low number, maybe 30 people. And at their last summit last year, that had grown to, I think, close to 1,300 Are they reacting to the falling number of adoptions, or is there something else driving this effort? I think there's something else driving this effort, but uh, I also think that the falling numbers have uh, a large role to play in how they're interacting with the the rest of the the adoption community and policies that are in place now. Well, they're not the only religious groups who are looking to adopt children from other countries. Absolutely not. Um, However, in the past few years, evangelicals, have really come to embrace adoption and uh, a broader uh, umbrella term that they call orphan care as as a part of their their beliefs as part of their faith. Uh, they see it as something that mirrors Christian salvation. So they'll talk a lot about the way that adoption reflects Christians' adoptions by God. I think in a, a lot of leaders have spoken about the way that. This can be a way for conservative evangelicals to reclaim the social gospel. Um, so are they looking to adopt children from non-Christian countries mostly? I think they're, they would certainly say that their, their main goal is to help what they see, help alleviate what they see as a worldwide orphan crisis. So they will talk about the orphan crisis as encompassing hundreds of millions of children. That's a number that's very controversial and um, that has has been contested by a lot of people. It, com- it comes from a, a UNICEF tally of vulnerable children, which could include children who have only lost one parent or children who live with extended family, not children who are available for adoption. Are we talking about in this country as well? Are they looking to adopt children who are in orphanages or in foster homes? Yes, I think I think a lot of them did get started uh, with foster care and and looking domestically. However, just outside of the foster system, domestic adoptions have decreased even even more so than international adoptions. Because so we a lot have of a lot them, of yeah, we have a lot of kids in this country who are hoping to be adopted, but they're looking to other countries to do it. Is that uh, because well, Dan Kruver, who leads a coalition within the evangelical adoption movement wrote in his book that the main purpose of adoption is to place them in a Christian home that they might be positioned to receive the gospel. Yeah, that that kind of language is really prevalent in this movement. A lot of people talk about adoption being evangelistic to the core, as being inseparable from traditional missionary work. Um, I think uh, on, a little bit more on the fringes, some some authors have even written about Adoption as uh, missionary work to miniature heathens is is one kind of stinging quote. Um, but a lot a lot of the leaders will will hasten to say this is not necessarily just about proselytizing. However, when you when you read a quote like Dan Kruver's, it, it kind of lays it out pretty bare that there is 
when they're talking about adoption as a great commission mandate, uh, which is referencing the the biblical mandate for Christians to spread the gospel, uh, it does seem that you know this is this is one part of the thing that's motivating them. Is there an anti-abortion element to this movement? Certainly, uh, I think a lot of it also grew out of. Christians, uh, pro-life Christians who had long been criticized or felt that they had been criticized for for having a limited pro-life view, you know, only caring about a baby until it's born, as, as a lot of people would criticize them. And so a lot of them have said, you know, this is a way for us to holistically engage in our, you know, anti-abortion politics to be more whole life, as some of them are now calling it. But on the other hand, these families are providing homes for children who are living in awful conditions in many cases. Yes, I, I, I think that there certainly are a lot of children uh, who are in need. However, it's a, very, it's a very difficult thing determining which those children are, and that's, that's where adoption can tend to go into to controversial waters sometimes. But I, I assume that no matter what the religion of the adopting family, the, the child they adopt will be brought up within the religion, their religion. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And so I, I think, you know, despite the fact that there is this this mention of kind of Great Commission mandate, uh, a more interesting thing for me in looking at this movement is how it's coinciding with what a lot of people are calling an international adoption crisis. Well, Craig Gentunen, one of the Christian adoption advocates you spoke to, describes his work as his, quote, crusade to create a culture of adoption. What does he mean by that? That's uh, that's language that's really familiar in a lot of evangelical churches, even though his organization does not identify itself explicitly as religious, but he's partnering with a lot of evangelical groups. A lot of people talk about creating a culture of adoption, um, coverage of this adoption movement in evangelical churches, which has really been growing by leaps and bounds in the past couple of years, we'll talk about churches developing a culture of adoption. So you'll have even small congregations adopting maybe 80, maybe 100, maybe 140 children just within a few couple of years. Is it easier to adopt a child from another country than an American child? I think all of the processes are, you know, extremely time-consuming, arduous, very expensive. It's not something that people can enter into lightly. It's a, it's a very hard process to, to get involved in. But there are reasons that people want to adopt from overseas instead of domestically. Um, sometimes people are, are afraid that you know the, the child will be taken back from them if it's a domestic adoption. Sometimes they feel like it's more secure if they're adopting from overseas. Sometimes uh, they they want to adopt an infant or a small child, and uh, outside of the foster system, which a lot of people avoid for other reasons, they they realize that can be extremely expensive and time consuming, and and overseas actually looks easier to them. Although in response to some scandals in the mid nineteen nineties, eighty three countries ratified or have since ratified the Hague Convention, which regulates international adoption, has that changed the picture? Yeah, I think um, that this dramatic fall that you mentioned uh, at the beginning of the show of, of adoptions from its high point of about 23,000 to uh, under 12,000 this past year, and it's projected to decrease even lower in coming years, uh, that's something that has a lot of people in, in the adoption world very nervous. And it's they attribute it to a number of different things. Commonly, it's attributed to the closure of Guatemala, which uh, listeners might remember witnessed a lot of uh, really extreme scandals uh, in terms of outright kind of kidnapping and baby buying. Uh, 
some a lot of times corruption or ethical issues in adoption are a lot more subtle than that, but in Guatemala, quite quite severe. So a lot of people look to that, or they look to the restriction of of adoption in China as as two main reasons. But uh, other other experts are saying that really effectively adoption has been shut down in almost nine countries in the past few years, a lot of which is tied to these scandals. Some countries were embarrassed, like Russia, I think Romania as well. Absolutely. Um, I'm talking with Catherine Joyce. Her article, The Evangelical Adoption Crusade, appears in the current issue of The Nation, and research support for the article was provided by the Investigative Fund at The Nation Institute. So if we're seeing a decline, how does Mr. Gentunin propose to raise the number of children adopted by U.S. families to over 50,000 a year? Right. Um, well, he's he's proposing uh, a vast simplification of the process, which I think appeals immediately to a lot of people, a lot of parents or would-be parents who, you know, feel like they just got at the end of a very long line, you know, maybe a three-year wait to adopt a child. Uh, so he's, he's proposing uh, centralizing the process. Um, some things that I think a lot of policy experts here in the U.S. feel are, are not – not particularly well suited to address some of these issues, uh, but also it's he's really just kind of uh, making an emotional appeal, uh, looking looking at uh, orphans who are suffering foreign countries and not not really paying as much attention to some of the ethical issues that that arise. Even some of the more mainstream evangelicals, like Rick Warren, uh, have been encouraging this sort of thing. He's uh, said his members of his Saddleback Church will adopt five hundred children over the next three years. Absolutely. So this is church policy. Uh, I I think it's it's church goal, it's church aspiration more than policy. But I think it's it's very mainstream. Um, this is not necessarily a, a fringe movement. The Southern Baptist Convention uh, in two thousand and nine passed a resolution calling on all of its sixteen million members to consider in what way God was calling them to get involved in orphan care and adoption. Are so, there sixteen million orphans out there? <laughs> well. It, there, it's such it's such a difficult number to tally. Uh, even UNICEF, which is looked to kind of as the the authority on this, cannot. But they're also called anti-abortion. They've been very resistant. Anti-adoption, yeah, uh, yeah. UNICEF gets gets tarred as as anti-adoption. I think pretty unfairly because they they they've raised a lot of ethical questions about adopting quickly from. Uh, disaster-stricken or, you know, deeply impoverished countries that a lot of people who are very passionate advocates for adoption, particularly among the evangelicals in this community, they see that as anti-adoption. After the earthquake in Haiti last year, several evangelical groups were trying to take children out of the country uh, to bring to the United States to adoptive families. Haiti is a Christian country, but it's a Catholic country. Would th- that be seen as something uh, different? As these would these children be seen as as uh, children to convert? Well, I want I want to be careful because I think uh, a lot of the mainstream evangelical advocates are are also very careful about you know distinguishing and and speaking explicitly about conversion motives. I think you know they want. They basically they want to take in many children, and they do have this aim of raising them within their faith. But I think uh, among the people who are talking explicitly about, you know, Haiti is a largely Catholic nation or a nation with a history of voodoo, and this is something that needs to be converted. Yes, I, I certainly saw that in a number of Christian adoption agencies and orphanages, but 
I, I don't know if that's really representative of the larger movement. Well, one woman named Laura Silsby, people may remember, oh, got yeah. into trouble for trying to take 33 children across the border into the Dominican Republic and and then to the United States to adopt the families, even though, as it turned out, many of the kids actually had living family members. Did that incident create a problem for the evangelical adoption movement? I, I think it did. I think uh, it really focused the conversation in the U.S. I mean, I think it also really dominated the conversation about the earthquake in general, um, but it really focused conversation about adoption in the U.S. and as as possibly something more than, you know, a win-win situation. This highlighted some of the issues that have tended to come up in, in adoption scandals around the world where there there is a taint of colonialism of, of Americans going into impoverished countries and feeling like they are they are entitled to with secular adoptions as well certainly certainly yeah there's there've been there've been a number of scandals around the world where where these same sorts of issues have come up um but i think that one in particular did draw a spotlight to the growing interest of evangelicals in adoption because she spoke about it in such religious terms we are just 10 christians following god's calling so how have adoption agencies reacted to the movement have well, they have they thought this is a good idea? They they would like to partner with the evangelical organizations, yeah. or are um, some of them resisting? Actually, many many adoption agencies have strong religious backgrounds. Um, some of them uh, coming from more mainline traditions where it might not be as much of a driving force. Uh, but a lot of a lot of adoption agencies themselves actually are. Uh, would fall under the category of evangelical Christian and uh, alignment already with with pro-life beliefs. So I think a lot of them are part and parcel of this movement already. Uh, they they partner with the evangelical organizations that do fundraising for these very expensive adoptions. They uh, go and display their materials and offer their services at the evangelical adoption conferences. It's it's almost indistinguishable. But there are real problems with just determining how many orphans are out there. Uh, there were claims that there were 400,000 orphans after the Haiti quake. UNICEF said it was more like 50,000. Mm-hmm. Uh, in either case, uh, they're not all going to be brought to the United States. No, absolutely. And on the global scale, that that kind of misunderstanding about the numbers is is replicated at an exponential level. People claim in this movement that there are between 132 and 210 million orphans worldwide. Uh, however, those numbers, as I said before, are based on these estimates of children who have only lost one parent. Catherine Joyce's article, The Evangelical Adoption Crusade, appears in the current issue of The Nation. And as I said, research support for the article was provided by the Investigative Fund for the Nation Institute, Thank you so much for appearing on today's Underreported Look at Evangelical Adoptions. Thank you so much.